Welcome to an Institute podcast with Brother Mickelson and Brother Anderson. This season, we address the Gospel Topics essays as part of an interactive podcast experience. I don't feel any nervousness talking about these subjects, and I don't feel nervous talking about a subject that we don't have all the answers to. That, that's, that's not really a problem. It is important that you know the content in these essays, like you know the back of your hand. And here's the podcast. Hey Siri, make an audio FaceTime call to Brian. Hello? 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 What the heck is going on? <laughs> Hold on, I got this. All right. <laughs> All right, are got you rec- it, got it. Are hey, you recording? I, well, I've been recording for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh. It's like the older we get, the harder this technology I thing gets. I can't get this phone to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the yeah. Geico commercial, anyway. Yeah. Well, are you ready for take two? Let's do take two. <laughs> Why don't you explain we- to our vast audience what's going on here? <laughs> all right, all three of you. So what happened was... <laughs> We uh, recorded one last week. This is a sensitive issue. And after we were done talking, we both were kind of like, should we re-record that? You know, like, um, you know, we don't usually run through these with any kind of prep. And we just read the topics and then assume you've read the topics and then just have a conversation like we would have. Yeah. But then it was kind of, we both felt like maybe we we didn't strike the right tone or whatever. So... Uh, after having a couple of people listen to it who agree, who like, you know, agreed with that assessment, here we are trying again. Take two. We'll see. We'll see if we can work on tone. We feel like tone's important, especially we're heading into some of the topics that are particularly sensitive, and so we want to, you know, get it as right as two morons <laughs> yeah. can get it right. You so, know the the hard part about this and. I'm sure I don't appreciate even what I'm about to say. That is, I, I, I do not know and cannot know what someone else, like how someone else sees something or how someone else feels about something or what someone else has gone through. They can even explain it to me. They can even say, here's why I feel this way. And all I can do is say, well, I know what you've told me and I believe you. I just, I've not felt that, and so I, it's hard, it's so, when I give answers, what I think are answers, they probably sound dumb, because it doesn't really take into account how someone else feels about it, especially on today's, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the church, even if a woman tells me what it's like to be a woman in the church, I, I just, all I can do is know what she said, but it's very... I can pray for the gift of, of empathy and yeah. understanding and discernment, but, but even then, I just have experienced what I've experienced. And so, I, you know, guys yeah. like you and me, which are just guys, you've got to be careful and kind and try to be understanding rather than, yeah. uh, this is how I think it is. Well, you're dumb, Brian. So it is in the spirit of that that we did a take two, even though we feel bad that we missed a week again. Um, it wasn't because we didn't have something recorded. We just wanted to do a little better job. Yeah. And so, I mean, wh- whether we do a better job or not remains to be seen. But uh, here's at least us trying. And and we should make a disclaimer. I should probably put a disclaimer in the 
opening uh, song, which one listener of our three said it reminds her of the Truman Show. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and that disclaimer is we are institute teachers and, and we work for the church, but we do not represent the church. And what we are musing and thinking and sharing um, is is we're responsible for. So yeah. anyway, so let's talk then about the gospel topic essay called, let me grab the title again. It's Joseph Smith's teaching. Where is it? It's a really long one, so getting to the first I hear page, you shuffling uh, paper like it's 1967. There it There's like 12 pages. Joseph Smith's teaching about priesthood, temple, and women. All right. I like it. And, and so I sent you, uh, again, uncharacteristically, but I sent you kind of a rough outline. Uh, we don't usually do that. We usually just talk like we talk about everything. Yeah. Um, but but uh, so point number one was the disclaimer. So I can check that off my list. So let's let's start with the maybe the, the beginning question that it seems like to me, it's in the overview, what this essay, why it was written, what it was seeking to address. Mm-hmm. And it, it tells us that this, um, this particular essay was written in 2015. It's one of the later ones. I don't know if it's the latest one, but it's one of the later ones. Um, certainly uh, during a time, and I'm, I'm sure that there's still, um, this is still an issue, but it was definitely during a time with the Kate Kelly, uh, excommunication, the ordained women movement was, was happening. It was kind and of front and center in the news and the yeah. Salt Lake Tribune. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's easy to see why this would have been written, why, why the church maybe felt it timely to give an overview of what we know and what we don't know and what's happened historically in the church. And so the, the question though, seems to be what is the women's, what is women's place in a church that has an all-male priesthood hierarchy. Um, and, and that's right there in the first paragraph they say. Um, we're going to do our best to kind of interpret what we read in the, in the essay, um, but do you have any opening thoughts about that, uh, that first question or the yeah. initial question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I'm in the first paragraph. Look at the last line of the first paragraph. This essay provides relevant historical context for these important questions and explains Joseph's teachings about women and priesthood authority. What's interesting is what this essay doesn't do. The essay does not say, here's why it is currently set up this way. You know what I mean? Like, here's, here's what's in God's head as to why men hold priesthood office, men are ordained to priesthood offices, and currently women are not. We don't have an answer to that. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse, that's not what this essay does. I mean, I don't, that doesn't answer your question, but... But no, but it's but it is the beginning. I, I mean, I think we need to lay that out as an opening assumption that um, we don't believe that the Lord has given all the answers. And in fact, um, as as it goes through the second section, which is early Latter Day Saints' understanding of priesthood, um, you and I have been doing a lot of, of study of of uh, the work of Ben Spackman, who will talk about um, accommodation and prophetic revelation. What he means mm-hmm. by that is that God is perfect and divine, but he has to work with imperfect fallen humans. And even those he's called as prophets are imperfect and fallen. And section one of the Doctrine and Covenants, he even says, uh, I'm going to speak to them in their weakness according to their language that they might come to an understanding. And so there's a, there's a fair amount of the Lord accommodating our worldviews, our prejudices, our assumptions, our cultures. And, and that seems to be um, even in this case, when when the church is is being restored in the early eighteen hundreds, um, priesthood office was 
basically a group of priests and it was all male and it was uh, it was a hierarchical thing and they performed religious rites and 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 it seems like this is the starting point of the Latter-day Saint understanding of priesthood and the Lord's okay with it starting there um, and then from there the Lord starts doing his line upon line thing yeah um, anyway I mean any thoughts on that before so, I kind of yeah, walk well, through so are, are, is it okay to feel frustrated by that yeah go ahead I mean, no, 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 I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is, is it okay to be frustrated by the idea that we don't really maybe know all the answers as to why things are exactly the way they are and that Heavenly Father, things might be the way they are because of who Heavenly Father has to work with? Yeah. Like, I guess what I'm getting at is if someone came to me and said, I, I feel, I feel, okay, l- l- let me go back. So I saw a tweet, I, I don't remember if we've discussed this or not, where a girl had said, a lady had said, you know, we had the sacrament in her home and I felt, I I can't even paraphrase her right, I'm sure, because I don't have her in front of me, but she basically said, I felt a little bit heartbroken that my daughter would never get a chance to pass the sacrament. Yeah. And I kind of thought about that. And then I noticed that somebody else had followed, maybe it was on Facebook now, I don't know, but someone had followed up saying, we sure were... I sure pray for you and your daughter in these times. And I, and I have thought to myself, that's okay for her to feel frustrated. I mean, who am I to give permission to anybody? But yeah. like, I don't think people need to feel frustrated with people who feel frustrated by that, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if frustration wasn't a part of the plan, then what's the point of a veil? Yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's weird for a guy to say it's just the way Heavenly Father set it up. We just, you know... Well, I, maybe, yeah, I mean, okay, but it doesn't mean we can't sometimes wonder what it would be like if it were different or wish it were different or, you know yeah. what I mean? That's okay. That's- or, even, or even experience what uh, the one theologian, I can't remember his name, um, passed away recently, holy envy of mm-hmm. other churches that do allow for a female priesthood sure. that, that performs, you know, ordinances and things. Boy, I, I, yeah, what, what would it be like if, if our women had more of a priestly role? Um, in these things. Yeah. And, my, and coincidentally, my daughter brought it up in our home church on Sunday. Um, why, why, uh, why only Haken? I think we were talking about how Jack is, is going to get, uh, you know, will we'll be ordained here in about a year and a half. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's like, well, when do I get ordained? And we had a very similar conversation, uh, you know, about, about it and what we know and don't know and whatever. But the first countercultural move that the Lord, as he accommodates where, where, where we start, where the Latter-day Saints start, is the fact that for the Latter-day Saints, directed by Revelation, this is the second or third paragraph, unlike those in other churches, Latter-day Saints extended priesthood ordination broadly to laymen, yeah. as directed by Revelation. This is the first kind of countercultural move um, that goes against what their worldview and their understanding would have been, and it was by Revelation. Now, again, yeah. we don't know why. That's the first thing the Lord says. You know what? I'm going I'm to do something now that is outside of what you understand. I'm going to move you. This is the first line uh, of uh, that we will build line upon line on is that one. The next paragraph then talks about keys that that's another kind of a new idea that, that what keys do and uh, who has those keys. And then this idea from um, section, is it 84 that the 1832 revelation that talks about that the Melchizedek priesthood holds the keys of the knowledge of God. The power of godliness is manifested in the ordinances thereof. And this is incredibly revolutionary. 
because the idea that we can understand God is very counter yeah. the Christian idea that God is a mystery, um, is, a, is created. He is an other. He is non-created and we are his created subjects. So we're, we're building on something else here that is against the, the culture of the time. Um, and, and so the Lord does do that up into as we get into the Nauvoo period. And so I think that's interesting. He's still accommodating. There's still some cultural things in there, an all-male priesthood, um, and, and only they can perform these ordinances. But the Lord is starting to change their understanding of what priesthood is and its possibilities. Yeah, yeah. And its purpose. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So then, then we get to the Nauvoo Relief Society um, period. And again, interestingly to me, it is uh, a, an accommodation of where people are. The, the women in, in, in Nauvoo, um, it's during a time in the 1840s where benevolent societies are being created by women all over the place to do all kinds of things. Yeah. I kind of grew up thinking the church, I don't know why I thought this. I, I don't know that anyone told me this or not, but that the church like invented this idea. Women gathering together to, to right. change the world. <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> right. I just, I didn't know what other churches ever did or what other people did. Yeah. This, w- uh, this idea was all over the place. But yeah. again, Revelation doesn't, you know, start, start in, a in a vacuum. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I mean, even like Emma Smith, the famous story about how Emma Smith is the one who first asked the question about the, the cigarette smoking in the School of the Prophets. And, um, mm-hmm. But she was coming out of a time where the women's movement, they were doing a temporal movement, uh, a temperance movement. And, um, and so she wasn't even getting that out of a vacuum. Women all over the country were thinking, men should stop drinking alcohol yeah. and smoking so much. And so yeah. th- this comes out of a, a very similar thing. There's these benevolent societies. The women of Nauvoo want to form their own. And so they draft up a charter um, and they, they present Presented to Joseph just to think what see what he thinks, and and that sparks apparently some revelation as Joseph says, "The Lord has something better for you, and uh, He wants to organize the women after the order of the priesthood, the after the pattern of the church, and yeah. that and that's what we have kind of quoted there. And so then what the what he uses priesthood language in some of these minutes in these early release society meetings, he talks about ordaining, he talks about priesthood authority, he talks about turning keys, and all these different kinds of things. And um and and so it's a it, it goes from a a societal movement to a, it gets um, incorporated into the priesthood pattern. And in a revelatory way, yeah, under yeah. the direction of revelation. Yeah. It, yeah. And this seems to be how the Lord did all kinds of the, of restoration stuff. This is, this yeah. is where things come from. And so um, I love the idea that was presented again. I should have, I brought it up in our first take and then I never went and found it. But the idea that the school of the prophets in Kirtland was to prepare the brethren to go out on missions, which was still a, a, an only male activity and to mm-hmm. participate in the washings and anointings that were going to happen in the Kirtland temples. Some of what we would know as the initiatory uh, ordinances. And now, the Nauvoo Relief Society was a school of the prophets for the women to get ready for the full endowment that would be introduced in the Nauvoo yeah. Temple. Yeah, which is cool. Where did you get? Where did you get that? Uh, I will insert here somewhere. <laughs> I'll go find it and put it. In. Yeah, I mean, it was it was. Um, I, I want to say it was like Eliza Snow or somebody early on who saw it that way. That mm. this was a That's school cool. of the prophets. Yeah, I'll, I'll have I to like go that. dig it up. So, um, but, but what we still have is a difference. What is the difference, Brian, if you could tell our listeners, between the Relief Society and priesthood quorums, as you, as you see it? 
Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's... I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I see a lot of similarities. And, you know, yeah, we're let's, blessing let's the go world. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I mean, you know, to bless the world, to help mm. others. To, I mean... As of right now, the Relief Society and the Elders Quorum both work on a lot of very similar things. Um, though the priesthood, the holders of the priesthood often administer some of the sacraments of the church, but not all of them, because there are Relief Society members who also administer in some of the sacraments that take place in the temple. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So. But Even I mean, the thing that I think's the difference isn't quite as different as you know. Especially recently, right? With with the yeah. with the uh, retirement of the high priest group, and combining that into an elders quorum, and then creating um, basically the the uh, Relief Society presidency and the elders quorum presidency each have counselors in the ward mission. And each have counselors in the temple and, temple family, and family history, history. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then the president of the Reese Society and the Elders Quorum president meet with the bishop on welfare issues and things like that. Like all of that's homogenized a little bit, right? Uh, in, right, right? In recent years. The only thing I can think of is that an elder does that a, that a Relief Society sister doesn't do is do the priesthood blessing stuff. But even that, right. what what is the official before the church thing an elder does in a, in a, in, with his priesthood. And I can't think of anything unless, you know, they need to fill in for a deacon or a priest that's not there. Right. And what's interesting about a priesthood blessing is I, I can use the priesthood and give a blessing to heal one of my children or to invite that blessing. And my wife can call forth her gifts of healing to heal our children. Yeah. And it looks a little different. But it's but not. They work it's the together, same but power. They work, in fact, they work together. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it all comes from God. But Yeah, and even, I mean, early on in Joseph Smith, the article does some of that with the female laying on of hands. And you and I kind of discussed in our first take, what is the difference between a spiritual gift and an ordinance? Is laying hands to heal the sick a spiritual gift, the gift of healing, or is it a ordinance that only the elders are allowed to have? And yeah. and it seems kind of ridiculous to think women don't have the gift of healing when you think about all the women healers who have been very gifted, you know, not not even right. to minimize mothers who did most of the healing in my life, you know. Right, and, right. and so, you know, what is uh, even even that? What is the difference? And I'm not so sure there is much there. There seems to still be a cultural and it was, you know, the, the best. Uh, explanation I get for why female laying out of hands went away was because, well, the New Testament and James says, call for the elders. And so we should, we should call for the elders and we're trying to be uh, strict to the, to the New Testament. What is the difference between the Relief Society and the elders quorum? I can't, it's hard to really put our finger on it these days. Yeah. Right. And it gets even more difficult to see a difference when we enter the temple. And this is where I find it to be, for me personally, um, the the temple helps me understand um, better than anything else how priesthood functions in eternity. 
how, how priesthood functions on earth in the kingdom of God on earth with uh, its hierarchies and uh, an all male, you know, priesthood, uh, you know, leadership as, as far as, you know, and the general councils that the general councils include now female leaders as well. But, but why it's that way, we still don't know. Could it change? Maybe, uh, perhaps. And if it did, you know, you and I talked in our first take, fine, you know, that's, that's fine. But, but within the temple, there is no difference. The, the ordinances are conducted by women and men. Um, it, it is overseen by a temple president who has priesthood keys, but yeah. with and not all the ordinances are are administered by both women and men. But right, right. Uh, but there is but, a ma- there mean, is a matron yeah. who also is directing the work of the of the women who are doing the ordinances, yeah. and and I just still think there's more to be revealed on this, more to understand about the power of the priesthood that it, that works within the the family, um, not just within the temporary church structure that's you know, that Jesus, uh, you know, enabled and Paul seems to be talking about in Ephesians, that there, there's a time when uh, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers will end because we'll have come to a unity of the faith and so forth. So if there is more to be revealed on this and, and possibly some structural changes to be revealed as well, some policy, policy slash structural changes, I wonder what it takes, and maybe there's not. I don't. I don't. We don't even, I can't even guess. But what would it? What does it take to invite those changes? Meaning, I mean, I have a guess. Yeah. So you're saying, how does how do we move to the next line upon line? If there is one, and I'm not surmising there is or isn't. It, but if there is, how would we? How would we get that? I know that we're not getting more, you know, Book of Mormon scripture stuff until we're obviously using the Book of Mormon maybe the way that Heavenly Father was hoping we would. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully we're getting there. What if Heavenly Father was like, oh, there's certainly more for me to teach you on this, and there are more opportunities that could be coming, but I need to see men and women counseling together in more power now. Because that certainly has been something that's been taught and taught and taught. You know, Elder Ballard has pushed that a lot in councils. And really, you know, I was, I was a bishop when we were doing these worldwide leadership trainings. And they were all the time saying, bishops, you are foolish not to be relying on your Relief Society presidents for counsel. And so I, you know, I became a bishop in, in the season of, we have ward councils and everybody speaks and Bishop, it's not just you and your councils making decisions. It's you and the Relief Society president and the Young Women's president yeah. and the primary president and da, 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 you know, and, and that, that's a change from 40, 50, 60 years ago, maybe, you know? Yeah. 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 I, um, so, so I wonder if this is, if this is relevant. President Nelson in his first priesthood, um, talk as the president of the church back in 2018. The, this mm-hmm. is that, that great talk where he talks about how he watched that elder bl- get, say a prayer over his baby, but didn't bless the baby. You remember yeah. that? Well, wow. he said, he said this right before that it is remarkable. It is a remarkable blessing to serve in the Lord's true and living church with his authority and power. The restoration of the priesthood of God, including the keys of the priesthood opens to worthy Latter-day Saints, the greatest of all spiritual blessings. We see those blessings flowing to women, men, and children throughout the world. And then this is an interesting line. We see faithful women who understand the power inherent in their callings and in their endowment and other temple ordinances. 
They understand the power inherent in their endowment. These women know how to call upon the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen their husbands and their children and others they love. These are spiritually strong women who lead, teach, and minister fearlessly in their callings with the power and authority of God. How thankful I am for them. And then he says, likewise, we see faithful men who live up to their privileges as bearers of the priesthood. And then he talks about that. But, you know, if your question is, when does God give us more? I think it's when we are ready for more because we are living up to the privileges of what we've already been given. Right. And there seems to be still more to be understood about the power inherent in our endowments, especially for women, when it comes to the the powers that can be called down from heaven to protect and strengthen those they love. And I I don't know. It begins with questions like that. What does that mean? How do I, how do I, uh, tap into that power more fully in my life in practical ways that involve healing and teaching and exhorting and all these other spiritual gifts. And when we start asking those questions and living up to those privileges, then the Lord starts moving us along to some more things. And I do think there's much more to be understood when it comes to priesthood. Yeah. And, I, and yes. I, think, I think President Nelson's been trying to move us along. His two talks prior, uh, the one about women in, in the women's meeting and then the one to men in the, in the year before this one, though, if you take those two with this third talk, he's trying to move us along. Um, yeah. You know, he talks about us being at the hinge point of the history of the church. A hinge point, you know, could be a really small movements that make a big giant door swing, you know. But it also, yeah. in, in education, means the moment when a teacher determines, are the, are the people, do they understand enough? Are they ready to move on? That's what yeah. a hinge point yeah. question is. And that's kind of interesting to me. Let's, let's, let's end with some thoughts on this then. And we'll, we got to do it quickly. I think there's more to come. I... I would. I hope there's more to come. I mean, of course, there's more to come, right? We have more general conferences, and there's more revelation, and God has. We believe all that God everything. has revealed, all that He does now reveal, and that He will yet reveal many great and important I things. I think it's wise for us to grow in our empathy and our willingness to understand what other people experience who are not having the same experience that we're having. Yeah. Meaning, try to understand what it's like to be a member of the church who who right now is an ordained to priesthood offices and try to appreciate that. And, and that not even everyone feels the same about that. You know what I mean? There's, there's some women who really feel like they'd like to have some different opportunities and other women who aren't thinking about that and both are fine. And uh, I don't get to give permission to anyone to feel anything they want to feel. Yeah. But also we've got, we meaning, I guess, everybody, but mostly pointing at me, I've got to understand and live up to the blessings of the temple and the priesthood generally in the world and absolutely counsel more powerfully with my sweetheart. If, if there's a thing that I've been sitting here thinking about while we've been talking, I guess that's crossed my mind a couple times, yeah. that our family can generate priesthood power my my marriage can generate power associated with the priesthood in our family and in our posterity. Which seems to be what the the kingdom of God in heaven is actually all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and the thought that occurs to me too is we also, I also, need to be careful to not give answers where there aren't any. Where and there not, aren't answers. Yeah. And, not, and not to propose uh, folk doctrine. So like, 
when people say things like, well, the reason women can't have the priesthood is because the men need the priesthood so they can catch up to the women. On one side, that's so pandering, you know, so, so uh, anyway. And then on the other hand, it's like, it's demeaning to men. It's demeaning to women. It's like, I I don't know where we get that, but I hear it said so often. I wonder, can we all just stop saying that? Yeah. It's people trying to make something make sense that maybe doesn't right now make sense. And we've done it in the past with race in the priesthood and uh, you know and that, and that and that didn't turn out well you did know? not help things move forward yeah, yeah in fact yeah. we're still dealing with the fallout of those kinds of assumptions and so uh, you know to be to be careful and and humble about what we don't know and don't understand i really love your idea of of empathizing you know we've talked about in other um topics when you were going through something kind of tough with your children, it was not helpful for somebody to listen to you and then start offering you advice when that person was not going through a similar thing that you were. But it was helpful when you talked to somebody who who understood, who just listened and waited until you said, so do you have any advice? And then then they said, well, I don't know. This is something that's helped me, but I don't know if, you know, and that's different. Sometimes I think we're so quick to say, you know, in this case, maybe to uh, my daughter who's wondering, why she can't pass the sacrament. Listen, daughter, here's why you don't need to worry about that. Daddy's got all the answers. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and when I don't, and, and um, you know, there may be some more, there's a better way to mourn with those who mourn and comfort those who stand in need of comfort and just listen and, you know, and then, and then say, if there is, you know, well, dad, how, what can I do? If that's the next question, say, well, let's see what prophets have taught. Let's see what the scriptures do contain rather than let's me go just work on this together. Yeah. yeah. Rather than me just parrot some folk doctrine I heard somebody say in Sunday school one time, you know, or a million yeah. times. So yeah. that's where I'm at, I guess. Woo! This was even longer than the first take. That is a recording. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's call this let's say scene on this bad boy let's say it all right and scene. scene if you would like to comment ask questions or share your experience with these gospel topics essays go to an institutepodcast.com and drop us a line we'd love to hear from you okay yeah i think we got it I think well, we got everything I was thinking. When you I mean, say we got it. We buttoned <laughs> we it up. We put a bow and, uh, on it. Everybody's going to understand perfectly now. No. No.